0: Thank you for tuning in into the New Life Church Downtown Podcast. If you would like to get connected, follow us on Instagram at NLC Downtown Little Rock or email us at downtown.podcast at newlifechurch.tv. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Let's try that again. How's everybody doing? Okay, good. So good to be here with you today from Cersei, and um, I just love the, this campus, and uh, Bronson and Callie, and Dr. Fitz, this whole team. Uh, Is just amazing at, at what they're they're doing here, and you guys are an incredible campus, and so we're just uh, honored to be here today. And I want to, for time's sake, to hop right into uh, the message today. But if you uh, have your Bible, or you're going to use U version, or your phone, or whatever, I want you to go to Genesis chapter 25, and I'm going to uh, begin reading from a very very old story in scripture, and I just want to share some truth with you over the next few minutes, but I just want to start by praying over us today, and so let's do that. God, I love you. Thank you for every person in the building today. God, that you have brought us here collectively uh, just to be in the house of God, and it feels good, Lord, that we can be together, and so um, I thank you for this opportunity, for this beautiful day that you've given us, this beautiful campus. And um, we thank you for this incredible worship that you've given us this morning. And so, God, now as we open your word, I pray that we would open our hearts as well, and that you would speak loudly and clearly to us in this room today. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's look at Genesis chapter 25. I'm going to read verses 29 through 34. This is what it says. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that stew for I am exhausted. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me? So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob and Jacob gave Esau bread and stew and he ate and drank and rose and went his way and Esau despised his birthright. I want to talk today about the enemy of reason and I'm going to refer to this as an appetite and here's why because we all want more. Every person in this room has an innate desire in you to want more than what you have. Sometimes it's a very good thing and sometimes it's a very bad thing, but we all want more. As a matter of fact, the only word our appetites want is more truthfully, we are a big bundle of appetites. We have an appetite for love. We have an appetite for respect. We have an appetite for success. We have an appetite for the recognition of the things that we have accomplished. And there is even an appetite for winning. Okay? Some people are so hyper-competitive I don't know if you've ever watched Christian softball leagues, but there's very little Christian in there, okay? It's just very, very competitive. Why? Because the drive to win is in you, to have more. And every appetite we have creates a tension in us. Why? Because we're trying to follow Christ as we have these tensions, these appetites inside of us. And there is a reason that there is, is a tension because appetites only know one word and the appetite or, or that, that word is more. Now there are three things right off that I want us to know about appetites and it's this. The first thing is God created appetites and then sin distorted them. So they started off really good. They, they were to be with God, in the presence of God, to want more of God, to want God's plan in our life. This was the original appetite. But the original sin distorted it. And from then on, it filtered down generation after generation to where every single appetite we have wants more. And again, it's not always for a, a good thing. So the second thing about appetites is this. They are never fully and finally satisfied. We hope that if we can feed the appetite, it will subside, that it'll be satisfied. That we can in some way say, oh, I am finally good looking enough. Or, oh, my my bank account is finally full enough. Or, oh, my kids are finally smart enough. Or, no one does this better than I do. That there's somehow a finish line when it comes to the appetite, this tension. We think if we feed it that somewhere out there in one of these days we're going to cross it and then we'll just move on to something else. It's like going through a to-do list, but appetites don't work this way. Once we cross a finish line, there's another one, and then another one. And the third thing would would be this. Appetites always whisper now and never later. The appetite always wants what it wants, and it wants it right now. And when we don't turn these appetites over to God, we become driven by them, and our lives become full of tension because they are not under The control of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we stopped right here after these three things, we've got enough information right now to understand a lot of the things that we see and experience in our world right now. And I want you to think about that. Some of the situations you may be going through, some of your family dynamics, some of the things we see on television. I want you to think about these things, and I want you to realize that it's driven by appetite, the desire of people to want more. And your response to your appetite will determine the direction of those things that you call the most important in your life. Now, here's what we know about an appetite, that if we don't get this appetite thing right, it doesn't matter if we get the rest of it right. Why? Because these appetites will completely sabotage every single thing in our life. An appetite can sabotage your finances, your relationships, your marriage, your career, and your personal relationship with Jesus Christ if it's not under the control of the Holy Spirit. Because if you and I are controlled for a longing for more, Ultimately, the end result is embarrassment and a loss of all the things that we consider right now to be valuable. Now, to bring this into scripture, we're going to talk about these two very famous brothers for just a few minutes, Jacob and Esau. And it was really hard to attach yourself to this story when I was a kid. Because when I read it growing up, it seemed so far-fetched. And so unrealistic. So we've got to really look at it through the cultural lens for you and I to actually even know what they were talking about. But there's this thing called a birthright, all right, which you and I do not do. But for this ancient culture, it was very, very common and very, very anticipated. And the oldest son would receive the birthright from his father, and it was valuable, okay? because it held these three things. It was finance, power, and the blessing of God. All right, now let me explain that for just a second. The eldest son inherited two to three times more wealth than his siblings. So in a wealthy family, that eldest son just became the wealthiest. He received power or authority, meaning this. The birthright instituted that the oldest son would be the authority for the whole family. So in other words, the eldest son became the new patriarch. He became the new shot caller, right? Then there was the blessing of God. Now this culture believed that if you had the birthright, that God would favor you above all the others in your family. That as you became the patriarch and the tip of the spear, and you were gonna make decisions for your family, God would favor you and bless you. And the father would speak these things over you. And this birthright was only given once, and it was given to the eldest son. Now, if you've never studied Esau and Jacob, let me give you just a brief description of them, okay? Esau was a hunter, the Bible tells us that he was hairy. I don't even know. You know, I can go some different places with that, but I'll just stay. He's covered in air. He's aggressive. He's vocal. He's not afraid to fist fight somebody. And then you got Jacob. Jacob is, is a different temperament. He loves his mama. He loves to cook. He's calm. He's a thinker. He has good strategy. And when these two meet, they never get along. And so let me give you a visual of what this scenario might have, have looked like. Esau comes up to camp. He's got on a mossy oak print, dry fit shirt. A pair of knee high muck boots that are rolled down halfway. He's got his Hoyt bow thrown across his shoulder. And he's got a small cut on his finger where he closed his pocket knife earlier. Jacob is wearing a polo ball cap some uncreased Air Force Ones, and he's unboxing $2,000 in cookware from Sonoma Williams. Okay, That's what these two look like. So Esau comes in from a hunt. He is tired. The Bible says he's exhausted. And he says, and so Jacob catches him in a moment of weakness. Here's his strategy and thinking. And he says, sell me your birthright for a bowl of stew. Sell me your finance, your power, and the blessing of God for this bowl of soup. How don't you think about that? How ridiculous. How hungry do you have to be to make that trade? How exhausted. What frame of mind do you have to be in? To trade finance, the blessing of God, and power for a bowl of stew. How hurt do you have to be? How sidetracked? How derailed? How confused do you have to be to make a vow to somebody else that they can have your finance, blessing of God, and power for a bowl of stew? I mean, who would do that? Well, who would trade their future for that? Who would trade God's blessing for something so temporary? Who would trade their ministry, their marriage, their respect of their peers? Who would trade a lifetime reputation in a community for a bolus, too? Well, here's the answer you would if it's the right bolus too i would if it's the right bolus too why because appetites are powerful and they are never fully and finally satisfied they never go away we will carry them for the rest of our lives and this is why we want more passion and more money and more authority and more progress and more food because god created it and sin distorted it Guys, listen, no matter how much you fast, you will still have to keep in check your physical attraction to women. Ladies, no matter how much you, you fast, you will still have to keep in check your desire for beauty. Because it's in you. It's an appetite. It's attention. And if we don't learn to manage them one day, The right bowl of stew can present itself, and you will be tempted to sacrifice your future on the altar of temporary fulfillment. So Genesis chapter 25, verse 32, Esau says this, I am about to die. don't you think about this? This is the position he's in. I am so driven. I am so full of tension. My appetite is so enraged. I feel like I'm about to die. Now, listen, he may have been hungry. He may have been malnourished. His blood sugar may have dropped, but he was not about to die. And you and I have to learn to reframe that tension in our life. The Bible calls it self-control. To be able to say, this is not what I see it as. It is not what I feel is happening. And I'm going to reframe that. So then he he goes on to say in verse 32, what good is a birthright to me? I'm about to die. Well, you're going to have power, wealth, and God's blessing. That's what it means to you. A few years ago, there was a physicist and he he did a study on energy. And... um, and what I loved about this is, is the powerful point that it makes. And he, he, he decided what, what he would do was start with a standard domino. And a standard domino is about two inches tall. And he, he decided how much energy does a domino produce when it falls over. And so he began to build other dominoes that weren't standard to put behind it. And basically the premise is, is this that a two-inch domino can fall the domino behind it if it's twice its size. So a two-inch domino can fall a four-inch domino and a four and eight and eight and 16 and 16, 32, and so on. I'm running out of math ability there. And so let me calculate this for you. So you start with a two-inch domino. Just five steps later is a domino that's about three feet. If you start with that same two-inch domino and you go 18 steps later, you can now shove over a domino the size of the Leaning Tower of Pisa. If you start with a two-inch domino and you go 23 steps, it'll shove over a a, a domino the size of the Eiffel Tower. 31 steps the size of Mount Everest. 57 steps from a two-inch domino... Is a domino the size of the distance from your feet to the surface of the moon? Now here's the big point here. What starts as a small thought can end up with monumental motion. Something can start in your head and just have a little bit of energy. Something can start in your heart or in your spirit and have just a little bit. But you go five steps later. You go 12 steps later, you're shoving over the leaning tower of Pisa. What starts off as small thoughts and small ideas and small appetites, when we don't manage them, becomes something that is so big and so grand. So Esau does this. He swears to Jacob his birthright. And this is what I really wish. I wish that at this part of the story, you or I could have jumped in, right? I wish that just before he swears the oath, you and I could have hopped in there and said, wait, 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 Esau, before you do this, hang on, time out. Let's let's talk about this. Before you do it, let's think this through. Esau, listen, you have some children. And eventually, you're going to have 12 sons. And these sons are going to have large families. And they're actually going to become a nation, the nation of Egypt. And that nation is going to be a slave nation. And 400 years later, they will cry out to God, to your grandfather, Abraham's God. And God is going to raise up a leader named Moses who's going to lead them out of 400 years of bondage. And that God, the God of your your grandfather, Abraham, will introduce himself to Moses as, I am God. But to be more specific, he's going to say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But if you trade your birthright for that stew, He's going to introduce himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your little brother. And if you think you want what your little brother has now, Esau, Esau, wait, wait, wait. Before you do it, listen, 2,000 years from now, God is going to send his son Jesus into the world and he's coming from your line. And he will gather a man around him named Matthew. And he's going to inspire Matthew to write a story. And Matthew's going to start that story by saying, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, the father of Isaac, and Isaac, the father of Esau. But if you make that trade, all that changes. And your name is not even mentioned. But there was no one to jump into his story There was no one to help him reframe. And many times there will not be anyone next to us to reframe either. We got to get a hold of the appetite, of the tension. Let me close with this thought. There are opportunities in our lives. They're going to look better and feel better than the one you're in. But you shouldn't do it. Why? Because it's going to pull you away from what God has for you. It speaks to your appetite, but your spirit's in knots about it. There are doors that are going to open and feel like they are perfect timing, but you shouldn't walk through it. Why? Because not every door is the right door. There are places and people that are going to present themselves that are big, seem to be bigger and better, but once you look harder, they aren't better. They're only bigger. And it's going to sap you of your strength and rob you of your joy. Because it's only speaking to your appetite and not to your spirit. And if you and I allow our appetite to dictate to us who we are, what what we are, and are not going to do, then one day we will, without fail, trade the goodness of God for a bowl of stew. And that stew may be a person's name. It could be a career change. It could be something that feels so so good to our appetite, so good to our ego. But we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Keep that appetite in check. And so I just want to give you three fill-filtering questions right now. If you, if you think about these things, I want you to go ahead and just close your eyes on me today. And I want you to look at your heart. And I want you to think about these three fill-filtering questions. Here they are. What do you want God to do through your life? Because that dictates to you what you're going to answer to. It dictates to you if that stew is even tempting. What do you want God to do in your life through you? Because that becomes a navigational beacon for us. The second question is this. Is there something right now in your life that you're trying to talk yourself into? Is there something right now that you're trying to justify? You are preoccupied by it, obsessed by it, and it rolls and rolls and rolls around in your head all day, and you're trying to talk yourself into it. Be careful. And third, is there something you're doing right now that you hope no one finds out about? Is so, it's time to turn. It's time to turn. So, with your heads bowed, let me just talk to your heart for 30 seconds and we'll pray over us. Say, Kevin, I'm here today and I got an appetite in my life that's out of control. I've been tempted to trade. For something that's temporary. There's a person, there's a place, there's an idea, there's something in me that is fueling the appetite. And as you sit here this morning, you feel the good conviction of the Lord. This is don't. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I'm going to pray over you. God, right now in this room today, God, I pray over every tension that's out of control. Over people right now that have been overcome by temptation, overcome today to, to make a trade. That they're so dissatisfied with some point in their life that they're wanting to, do something brash, something quick, something that they haven't bathed in prayer. And God, right now, I pray that you would protect our lives from becoming derailed. Keep us on your plan. Keep us on your path. Keep us steady. Keep us pure. Keep us holy. Keep us righteous. Keep us walking forward. So God, shine a light into all of our hearts today, God. And let us know that wherever we are right now in the plan that you have for us, we're good with it. We're content right now where we are. That where I am in the process of your plan, God, I'm good with. I'm not going to try to fast forward or sidetrack or do a shortcut. I'm just going to take the next step towards you. And I'm going to stay the course. And I'm going to do it the right way. And we thank you for that, God. We give you every appetite and tension in our heart today, God. And we surrender it again to you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, guys, Pastor Bronson here. just want to say thank you for listening in. Uh, our hope and our prayer is that this podcast equips you on your walk, your journey with Jesus. And so please like, subscribe, share, help us spread the word. We love you.